Today's guest is Miles Leonard, one of the UK's most successful A&R people. He climbed to the top of the A&R ladder at Parlophone, eventually becoming chairman of the label, as well as president of Virgin Records and chairman of Warner Brothers. He has been heavily involved in the careers of Kylie, Tiny Temper, Coldplay, Gorillaz, Royal Blood, Emily Sande, Blur, Paul Weller, Stereophonics, Kano, Lily Allen, amongst many others, and has won the Music Week A&R Award twice. Phil Harvey, Coldplay's manager, said, When in the future... Robots end up replacing humans throughout the music industry. The designers will probably base the prototype on Miles Leonard. Musically Catholic, with a predilection for funk. Strong-willed, creative, calm under pressure. Fiercely loyal, tough as old boots, and more than a little stubborn. Miles has been part of Coldplay's inner circle since we signed to Parlophone in 1999, and he is still the man we most want to impress. Miles stepped down as role of chairman, but continues to be an A&R executive for Warner Music, as well as starting up his own A&R music creative consultancy, Viva La Music, to focus on broader opportunities across this ever-growing and multifaceted industry. Okay, welcome to this week's episode of Gigami. My guest today is Miles Leonard. Welcome to the podcast, Miles. Hi, David. How are you? Lovely to be here. I'm very well, thank you. Great to have you. Um, we like to start these conversations by asking you uh, to share a little bit about your career. Yeah. How did you get into the industry um, and how have you ended up doing, doing what you do now? Well, I got into the industry uh, way back in uh, 91, 92. It was at a really important time, I think, in music. You know, the late 80s, 88, 89, 90 was a whole explosion of uh, electronic music, dance music, um, house music, and club culture was thriving then. If you recall back to the the illegal raves and acid house and all those things, I mean, there was a huge shift in young youth culture and the shift in music. And the sh- I mean, it was a really exciting time. I was at the time I happened to be a plumbing and heating engineer uh, apprentice, and uh, so, sorry, sorry. Can we stop there? I hadn't realised that. You were a, a plumber for a while, were you? Yeah, well, I left school. And I'll, yeah. I'll be honest, I wasn't the most academic uh, of, of pupils, but I was always very creative. Uh, and um, I left school with not the best of qualifications. And, and it was a case of really my, my father said, well, you, 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 you better get yourself a job then if you're not going to university. And uh, what are you going to do? And I wasn't really sure. And I saw in a job for an apprenticeship with a local plumbing and heating firm and I thought well I can I'll do that and so I did that for three years and did my apprenticeship and I came out the other side with it and uh yeah I was young I was uh, but I wasn't sure what I was going to do but I went I moved to London when I was uh 19 and uh I was working in London but I was there in London amongst the excitement of what was going on with, with, as I say, house music and, and, and electronic music in clubs at the time. And, you know, I was, I was going out at night and, and working hard during the day. Um, but going out, I was meeting people that were working in the industry. And I thought, well, I can do that. You know, I'm always finding new artists before they break or new records before they break into the chart. And I was always just discovering new music. I had this real passion for it. So, you know, I I started to write to record 
company i mean i was in that position where you think how do you get in behind the iron curtain you know you saw these record companies you saw how do i even get in there i don't even know where to start and naively i was sort of writing letters to them trying to trying to get somebody to notice me the classic i really love music and i'd love to work for your record company and of course that wasn't going to cut it and i did that and got many rejection letters and until somebody smart enough said what you really need to do is understand the different layers within a company and uh, the different departments and what they do and understand them a little bit more and then target it's slightly a little bit more directly. You're far too generalized at the moment in, in where you want to go and, 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 and approach people in the right departments. And I did, and I heard about the A&R department, which were the team that, you know, built and signed new artists to, to the, the repertoire. And I thought, well, I'm always discovering new artists who've gone on to be successful. That's probably the place I'd like to try and start. And uh, after being a little bit more targeted, um, somebody gave me the opportunity, a, a, a guy called Paul Conroy, who was running Chrysalis Records at the time, and asked me to come in and... Um, and and I turned up outside the record company in my plumbing van, jumped out of my overalls and went in for the interview. And he said, start Monday. So that's exactly what I did. What happened to the plumbing? Were you working for yourself or, or did you have to tell your boss, I'm out of here? Yeah, no, I was working for myself, actually. Again, it was at that you know, you think back, and it was at that time of 1919, it was all, you remember the, uh, what's the character, loads of money, you know, yeah. it was all that, you know, the, the Thatcher time, and it was entrepreneurial, and build your own business, and building, the building trade in London was booming at the time, and so I, I was working for myself, really, and uh, so it was very easy to just park the van up, and put the tools away, and then on Monday go in, and do have this opportunity and I remember getting the opportunity I, I I it was a feeling inside me that I um I don't think I've ever felt before or again I'd just been given this chance and given this opportunity to do have this you know privilege to work in a label and um and that, and that's why I started I mean sadly uh, what I didn't realize was that I I, I went I went in um, very naive to the job, what what to do, and it was I was shown to a, a desk in the corner and said, "Well, look, there's 25 bin liners full of cassettes. You, why don't you start, you know, going through those and see if you find something interesting?" I mean, to me, I was in heaven. I mean, this was this was it. But what I also realised is, I don't think any band really has ever been signed from a demo tape that's been sent into a record label. You know, not that they send tapes anymore, but you know. Um, and, uh, very, very early on, I discovered this band, uh, called The Verve and, um, I got their tape and I fell in love with them. And how, I, how did you discover them, Miles? Well, I, I, um, I, I started to build up a network of people in rehearsal rooms up and down the country. And I thought, well, this is obviously where the new artists are, are going to be uh, practicing, rehearsing and forming. So I got a list uh, um, that I put together of all the small little rehearsal band rehearsal rooms all around the country. And I just phoned them all up and just said, have you got anyone in that's really interesting or anyone that I should be looking at? And I'd ring them once a week and and uh, follow up and uh, 
yeah, and um, got to know the people that were running them. And, and um, there was a, a, a time when somebody said, yeah, we got this young four lads in from Wigan called the Verve. Well, they're actually only called Verve then. And, um, and yeah, you might want to check them out. They're, they're, they're a great little band. And, uh, and, I, and I called them up and uh, asked them if they could send me some music, which they did. And I, did, I fell in love with it. It felt unique and exciting. And um, it was just... There's something really naive and youthful and, and brilliant about it. And, and anyway, I took it into the the the, the head of A uh, and R at Chrysalis Records and uh, uh, and said, "Could I go and see them?" And he just said, "No, you, you, your job is to sit here and go through those bags of demo tapes." And I said, "Well, do, do you want to hear it at least? I think it's really good." And he said, "No, your your job's to sit out there and go through those demo tapes." <laughs> and so. By sheer coincidence, I sat there a little bit sort of deflated and um, bearing in mind, I was only asking for, think, for a national coach ticket to go up to Wigan uh, <laughs> and back. Uh, um, but the Virgin Records called me up and they said, oh, we're really sorry we didn't get back to you a few weeks ago. We've just seen you got a job at Chrysalis, but um, you're not still looking, are you? And I said, well, you know what? If I'll come over and see you today. I've got this great demo tape. If you let me come and go and see them, I'll come and work for you. And, and I went over to meet them that afternoon and played them some of the demo. And they said, right, get on a coach straight away. Start on Monday. So I did. And, uh, and then I signed them probably three or four months later. And that was the very first signing I made, you know, working as a scout for a record company. For people who aren't 100% savvy with it, what, what, what exactly does A&R mean and, and what does an A&R person do? Well, it's a good question. I mean, A&R is a very old term dating way back to the sort of 50s and 60s and it stands for artist and repertoire. Uh, obviously, the artist is the artist you sign and the repertoire is all the catalogue and the music and the copyrights that uh, that they create. And um, an A&R team is really... Uh, the, the talent spotters, um, starting at the bottom, you tend to go into the A&R team and start as what's called a scout. Uh, and your primary role is to go out and find new artists and bring them in to the label. And then you move up through from a scout to usually an A&R manager who's somebody that might have signed their first artist and uh, and then from an A&R manager, you go to senior A&R manager when you probably had some success. And then you go to the you know, head of A&R running the department. And that you're, you're, but throughout that process, your main role is to bring new artists and talent to the label and sign them. And then it's to guide careers of artists um, through from developing them from very embryonic stage that they may be guiding them through the process of recording and uh, music and to producing records and uh, helping them to you know uh, make the right decisions through their career with everything that's to do with that creative side of the industry how much day-to-day contact would you typically have with them well, you have to, a lot of day-to-day contacts, you know, or knowing the right time to, you know, have that contact. You know, you, the artists are very unique, fragile, egotistical, um, you know, creatures. You know, they're this myriad of emotions and, and uh, they're, they're very unique uh, people. And, and, and you have to really understand and get into their individual psyches and... and 
Um, so it's it's and then you build a, a trust. Um, they have something that is the most dear thing to them, the most important thing to them in their life, which is their band and their music and trying to be successful with it. So you've got to be um, sympathetic and understanding of, of, of giving advice or being a critique, you know, at the right time and in the right way um it, and and being supportive and understanding and listening and you build up a a trust with them where you can have very open dialogue about what perhaps is working or what perhaps isn't working or trust in ideas for people that they may or should be uh, trying to collaborate with so and, and that you know is built up over over time uh, essentially when you first sign an artist I would always bring the band into the office or go and meet them, usually in their, uh, you know, wherever they are from, because I think, you know, coming into a record company office as a young artist, it can be very disconcerting and, 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 and you know, it's quite a thing. So I think to break the barriers down, I'd always go and try and meet a band for the first time where they're from, at their house, in their rehearsal room, you know, and talk to them. And it's about very early on trying to get an idea of what their vision is who they what they represent and what excites them and as well as looking at the four main ingredients which i think you know you should be looking for in in any talent you know which is you know ambition and drive and passion uh, i mean they're three things but they go into one column that you really need to see in them. And I can come back to that later. Great songwriters, or at least showing signs of being a great songwriter. Great musicianship, um, I think is really important if they are a, a player. And um, and being able to you know perform live as well, have presence and, and have an identity. So th those are really the, the sort of four main criteria that you're looking for at that early stage. How how do you interact with other people in in a musician's life? So manager, publisher, live agent, lawyer, those those kind of people. Well, you build a team really, and and most artists um, will always probably talk about the team around them, um, and that that team around them is formed usually by the 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 key people that have um, who are helping them and being there to help develop in all stages. And as you say, it's the agent, it's the publisher, it's the manager. And I think that, you know, we're all, uh, sharing the same goal and, and we're all, you know, looking to uh, build the success of, a, of, of the band and, and, and give it all the right advice and direction and help you can. So I think the two do go hand in hand and, and, and I would always um, form those relationships with the publisher to understand, you know, everyone's got an idea. You know, the A&R person is not the only person that should have an idea who could be a great producer that they could work with or a great studio that they could go into. Anybody can have a green idea. And so, you know, speaking to each other and, and, and listening and hearing other people's perspective on, on the band also helps you to form a bigger and better picture of the, of the artist too. And, and, and vice versa, it might be, you know, an agent might talk about putting on some of their very early shows and actually the right venue for them to perform in can make a difference of how they're perceived and um you know so yeah the team is really important and the manager of course 
uh, is somebody that you've got to have, you know, dialogue with all the time. The manager could be the person that you have very difficult conversation with about the band and when hurdles you know, appear or difficult situations appear and you have a very direct conversation. You work out how you together are probably going to approach the band about that particular issue and, and, and to resolve it. Yeah, I guess you've also got a sort of team within a record company as well, haven't you? You, you mentioned at the beginning about you know, looking from the outside in, it's like an iron wall and you don't realise that there's lots of individual departments. But what what other sort of people would you would you bring in once you've kind of signed someone you've got the the artist will have their their sort of external team of publisher and and uh, manager etc who else would you pull in as during the development phase particularly i would always pull in the team right from the very start i mean i may have the first meeting where i go to introduce myself to the band and say hi and tell them you know have a a long discussion with them about, or as I say, all the things that we've talked about. What's your vision? Where, what do you want to be? Where do you, you know, get as much information. Who are their influences? You know, who do they respect? You know, all those sorts of questions. But then very quickly, I think it's really important to go back in and talk to the team within the label because no uh, uh, no successful band has had success just because of an A&R person. Uh, and, and, you know, A&R people, you know, do uh, sit sometimes in this glorified position, uh, 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 but it's always the team. Now, that team is, you have a press team and their uh, their uh, criteria and their role is to, to get as much uh, press coverage for you, and whether that's in printed press or now online press, obviously, or blogs or... Um, you have a TV and radio department whose sole uh, role really is to, to try and get you as much radio exposure and TV appearances and exposure as ever to marketing teams who are there to help create market the the artist and and you know and um through the artwork design creativity to how they're uh, feeding your music or or trying to give get awareness or building your brand and building your audience you know that could be through social platforms it could be at retail or it just could be you know uh, through just you know sort of what we call above the line advertising you know which is um so i think that it's there's i mean and there's more there's you know and you know your international team is there to help you have success around the world and and there's a sync team that helps you to try and get you the artist music you know into film or tv or or, or ads and brand teams and so there's a there's a wealth i could, I could go on you know about the, the, the all the different platforms within, within a company uh, that help to build, create, and form success. Yes, the A&R person probably is the one person that has the most continued and constant dialogue with the artist. Um, but that's, you know, I think it's really important to really encourage the other people, members of the team, to form those relationships with the band and the manager very early on, so they can have direct dialogue with them and and you know and, and have awareness uh, of, of as much as anyone else should have. These days, it's so easy to to make music, even using your mobile phone, and then to to get it onto Spotify and Apple, etc. So. 
I think the industry is more exciting now than it's ever been. And, and if somebody said to me, would you rather be a 19, 20 year old joining the music industry now, or would you, you know, would you rather have joined when you did and gone through, you know, the nineties and, and whatever. And I would, I would say definitely now. Um, I think the, you know, it's a lot more fragmented, but it's a lot more diverse and it's a lot more interesting and it's a lot more exciting. And I think that, it, to an extent, it was slightly two-dimensional uh, when I started, and um, because there were all these these gatekeepers for artists um, before you could have success, in, and you know, a band or an artist had to get a record deal to put a record out. And once you had a record deal, you had to get past the gatekeepers at radio and TV and the press before you would get exposure. Well, now. I think artists have this incredible uh, privilege, I'd say, um, but this ability to speak to their audience directly outside of those gatekeepers. And I think that's an incredible, uh, um, you know, a, a thing to, to have and, and, and be able to do. And, and I think it's, it's actually, um, I think it's something that's become a real, uh, a talent, you know, with this new generation of artists of understanding that and understanding how to use that to, to their advantage and not relying on circumnavigating those big gatekeepers. So, and so, and you can be more exciting with bits of content, whereas before you would just have one video for the single and you can, it's, it's more creative and it's more nimble and it's faster. And it's, and, and I think it's, you know, this digital age uh, lends itself much more to creative artists and, and a new breed of creative artists. So to your point about, you know, where the record labels sit within that, well, anyone can release a record, anyone can record a song at home on, on, on a laptop. Anyone can make a video on their phone and edit it. And anyone can put it up and make it available uh, on DSPs or the digital service providers. So anyone can do that. And in fact, there's 60,000 uh, new tracks a day put up on Spotify. So, so therefore, there's so much noise now. Uh, how do you Put your head above the parapet. How do you now get noticed amongst sixty thousand other releases? Now that's now so you've got this ability to do that, but now you've got to put your head above the parapet and above. You've got to be ahead of everyone else, doing something more exciting than the other sixty thousand, as opposed to the other maybe uh, sixty a week, you know, or whatever it was. And so, um, I think what you get so. New people releasing music and independent labels, I think it's a brilliant time to be doing that. But I do believe that when you're at a tipping point to really having success and really crossing over and really having a global team around you to really magnify something, I think, you know, that's where major labels, and I'm slightly generalizing here because you can do it without them, of course, that's where they really come into force. That's where they really have experience and knowledge and teams that know how to break you through and magnify and amplify everything you're doing to a far greater and bigger audience. What is the record company business model? Um, how, how do, how do they, they make money? And you know, what, are, what are the priorities for their business? Well, again, you know, that that's changed considerably uh, over the last 10 years. Um, and I think, of course, 
aside from the uh, revenue that uh, comes from your uh, music and your copyrights, you know, through uh, either direct uh, purchases, which is through physical product, you know, which is vinyl and CD and, and so on, through streaming, uh, through downloads, uh, you know, those are all the sort of obvious routes. But I think that the music industry <clears throat> has developed uh, considerably um, and continues to do so. And people are recognizing that actually um, there is real value in data now and um, and also uh, content creation is really important and uh, you know also in uh, technology and software that helps you to engage and reach uh, your audience again usually more directly and not having to rely on you know other gatekeepers that are the barrier to your audience so I think branding and brand opportunities um, and this is either uh, connecting your artist's music uh, into brands you know whether that be nike or coca-cola or whoever and you know there's nothing uh, more exciting and and, and thrilling uh, you know music still has an incredible value and uh, particularly you know pop music useful music is a great connection for brands to reach their young audience so those synergies are really important still to this day and and also through what we call um the, the sync opportunities which i mentioned earlier which is actually we're all trying to find really all we're trying to do is find ways to put your music or have your music heard by an audience now whether that's on the radio or whether that's on the TV or whether that is because somebody's either, you know, watching a film or watching a TV series and you've just got your piece of music at the right spot in a big TV series and that can make the wealth of difference to possibly even breaking an artist, you know. So, so there are, you know, so many revenue streams now that, all play an important part and then and you know as i say it's a, it's a lot more fragmented but if you get the sweet spot of getting a number of those all working for you you can have a very strong career even sometimes without having what we would call hit records i mean i look at someone like i went to see you know war on drugs at the o2 uh, a few weeks ago now the war on drugs are you know deemed as a uh, american alternative guitar-based sort of you know, rock band um, that have had uh, no hits and no radio hits or no chart hits. Yet I, there you are watching them uh, at the O2, a sellout show, 17,000 people. And why? Because they have engaged their audience directly through hard work and and brilliant brilliant music but they've they've engaged and formed a narrative with their their fan base and their audience that who weren't reliant on the hit records and that came through all the brilliant creative ideas the bits of film and content that they put together you know the way they handle themselves you know through the direct to consumer pieces of music that they sell direct to their audience not through a label that you know really interesting exciting and and I thought you know that's really interesting that in today's market you don't have to be hit driven to have a 
a, a, you know a, a, a successful career or, or or a really viable business as a band and, and they will headline festivals and they as i say they played the o2 which was a sold out show and and uh, and i think and that's that's where i think the industry has become hugely exciting and that's why we're actually seeing you know, more artists actually um, taking the step to put records out themselves. And, and that's, you know, even sometimes when they've had success and they've learned and understood the industry a bit more, you know, they may be sort of 10 years into their career and they decide, well, you know what, we've learned a great deal from our, you know, our experience with a, with a label. We might now in a management company build a team around us that has some of those skill sets that we require and we can do this ourselves. And I think that's a real shift that I've seen uh, in the last, again, last pretty much 10 years, you know, especially five years, you know, and, and continue to have the success but um but been doing that themselves you know there's no right or wrong there's no you know it's what's right for a band at the right time and it, it and it's whether they have the energy and the passion and the team around them that can do that or whether they you know prefer to work with a label to share that load and uh, and continue forward music today when you release music it's global it's it's available everywhere and um that is is incredibly exciting and incredibly powerful shift for the artist in the the old days when i was saying it's slightly more two-dimensional you would have to have uh, success in the uk if you're uk artist before usually you would then probably get the european labels start to take interest and then releasing your music and then more success before the American label would then start to take interest and then release your music, you know, which which caused issues one uh, because it meant that your music wasn't always necessarily being released uh, in those territories, um, which was a negative uh, for, for the artist. Um, but if it was eventually released and possibly even 12 months down the line after you'd initially released your album, you know, just as you're going in to write and the next album, you're having to now go out and do, you know, promote and tour in another territory. And, and it plays, uh, you know, it, you know, it doesn't work well with your cycle of recording and your shift. And, and I think that the early discovery of new artists, uh, to, you know, people are out there looking and finding new music. It's easier to find music uh, and, and, and you know, have your peers turn you on to music and listening through to playlists and finding and discovery. It's exciting. And, and of course, you can you can uh, try music um, without having to commit to am I going to spend my £10 this week on this one album you know it's like no I can you know for that £10 I can listen to every single album that's released you know so your your ability to find and discover and whether it's through YouTube or Spotify or whatever is is infinite so not only is your music uh, being released globally it's also always available and whereas music previously was deleted because there wasn't enough room in a store and if it wasn't selling you were taken off the shelf now it's always constantly available and i think that gives a longer deeper relationship with your catalog with your audience as well for discovery how do up-and-coming musicians catch your eye? I guess in the, you know, in the old days, scouts would drive up and down the country, you'd network through rehearsal rooms and, and they listen to cassettes. 
Yeah, back in the day, yeah, that was it. Driving up and down the country, spending hours in, in back rooms of pubs and clubs and listening to demos, you know, but that bears no relevance to the industry now. I think now we, we are very data-driven. Now, that can be seen as a you know completely sort of dirty concept, um, but uh, we have this amazing tool uh, to use, or various tools actually, in various different software that is available. But we have simple tools in front of us uh, to actually see whether artists have a, a following, whether uh, people have engaged in their music or their content, or, um, or whether what songs they, people like and which songs they don't like, and actually which city or country people are listening to, to their music. And this is even when they've just uploaded music themselves before they've even got a record deal. And, and I think now more than ever, record labels are looking for artists to at least be doing it themselves. Why? Because the, the the tools are there for you to do it. It's so easy to create music. It's so easy to record music. It's so easy to make a video and bits of artwork and, and so on and so forth. So I would be very, I guess, concerned if an artist, a new artist, hadn't done any of that. Because I think, well, why? What are you waiting for? You know, surely that's what you want to do and you should be doing it. And so I think that looking for artists now, there's a lot of searching through uh, just online, you know, and, and that's a lot of trawling and searching, but that's how many great artists are found now. And then using the data to form or help form an opinion. You've always got to have a gut feeling about the music and you've always then got to meet the artist and look them in the eye and feel that they have that drive and that passion to, to this is the only thing they could possibly do and, and they and that they have these goals and, 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 and a vision. So the two very much go hand in hand and of course there's another way of signing artists now which is very there's a very song based industry now as well and that is signing hits, signing songs uh, not artists, but songs or tracks that are starting to build momentum. TikTok is a huge platform for that. And of course, TikTok, as we all know, is one of the biggest or the biggest music platform in the world and has more viewers slash listeners than any other radio station or media platform. And it can break records through that. And we've seen artists come through that route. And, and of course, all the labels now have software that can track and trace songs that are not signed as a copyright to a label are moving and moving rapidly and, and assigning those, you know, using the data for a lot of money, but, you know, the, the, the chances are they're going to have a big hit, you know, so, um, because of the data they're seeing in front of them. That, that was a question I was going to ask when you were talking about data and, and you were talking about you look at various indicators. What were the tools you use? You, you just mentioned a piece of software that looks at, I guess, TikTok and identifies songs that don't don't really have a team behind it at this point and is an opportunity for you to take it and build it even bigger are there any other tools that, that you use not really i mean there's new there's there, there, i mean there are new pieces of software you know being developed all the time you know the data is getting you know much more you know it's more concise and and i think you know those the tracking 
software and data available there, there are a number of companies and i think each of the labels has their own unique version uh that they've usually bought you know and uh, or partnered with these tech or software companies and and using them they pretty much do the same thing though it's tracking music you know they're they're, they're seeing you know likes and followers and loves and plays uh, you know streams and tracking every piece of data and, and social media as well i guess that it kind of li- links it's both the music and how that's traveling and the and the profile yeah exactly and you know they're all seeing the same the, the, the same information and then it's usually the first to, to jump in and make the offer and of course you know the the deals those deals are, are usually hugely expensive and why well because all the data it sort of is giving you a bit of a crystal ball you know and uh so it's it's almost identified uh, hits, and you listen, you think about something like, you know, Lil Nas X with Old Town Road. That was, and this is another, you know, that was tracked, and that was actually starting to gain huge momentum, and, and before um, you know, every record company jumped in to, to to make him an offer, you know, whatever it was, you know, a couple of million dollars at the time. Um, why? Because they could see that moving very quickly but what's interesting about that track is there are also now a number of platforms available where producers or writers are putting up say beats and productions instrumentals for artists young artists and in this case a young rapper you know to go and listen and cherry pick and choose uh, what which track they like and then they'll put a rap on top of it and then release it and you can buy these beats and backing tracks from anything from you know $25 or £25 to £250 and Lil Nas X did exactly that he bought a track from a platform and he put his you know his song to it and it became the hit that it became and so I think that now we're seeing producers and writers now coming into the game and and realizing that what they have is of value and and selling it uh, directly to the artist i mean some 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 are selling by volume incremental beats um some that probably don't end up necessarily you know being hits or probably you know only getting maybe 200 views but they've sold it for 50 dollars and of course if they're selling you know 200 of these a month uh, you know well then they're starting to form a small business. So there's all these ecosystems now forming around the industry, which I think are really exciting and, uh, you know, shaking up continually the status quo of, you know, how to get a record deal or how to have success. You mentioned before that you had a tick list when you were kind of encountering a new artist. You were talking about their drive, how ambitious they were and passionate, their songwriting chops, their, their musicianship and, and their presence on stage how do you i guess you can't have data against any of those things are these essentially gut reactions from meeting them and watching them and observing them yeah i mean i've always found that working in the industry for 30 years the best artist you you meet them they walk into a room and they have presence and uh how do you quantify that i do not know but they have this brilliant incredible way of walking into a room and and lighting up a room Uh, and um do do they do uh, it all in the same way or 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 to different no no no, not at all they always have something that's very unique you know to them but there's something there's an aura there's some that when you sit with an an artist or 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 a band you know or an act you know you 
it's really important to what drives them. And I think uh, you, you get artists that are just doing this anyway, whether they've got a record label or not, they are doing this. They are putting music out. They're releasing music. They're, they're getting on with it. They're, they're putting on shows. I mean, that shows drive in itself. Any artist sitting around waiting for a record deal to come along is probably really not going to have uh, get a deal or probably have any success. But it's also when you when you speak to them, it's, it's it, you know, and understanding that ambition and you start to really you you get intoxicated with it you know you get drawn in because all a record company is only there to realize the vision of a band and the band as much as you can uh steer and uh, you know and help uh, develop and you know suggest ideas you know usually more often than not in fact in 99 percent of the time is you know the artists know themselves better than anyone else and it's so it's two things they're willing this to to listen and engage and and form a decision on the back of listening i think is really important and if i've had a a deep conversation meaningful conversation about a track or a recording or a choice of single and we've really engaged in you know good honest and deep conversation about why I feel that it should be X, Y, or Z, and they've listened and taken it on board, and you've had a very good dialogue uh, about that particular point or issue, and then they've said, I've listened, and this is why I still want to do this. You know, I would always support the artist in doing so, as long as you've been able to have that conversation. So, so you know, labels are there to realise a vision and magnify it and amplify it. and and um, And so... I've worked with some artists where once we'd signed them, I'd realized that maybe they've stepped back and, and now they said, oh, now we've got a record deal. And now I can take my foot off the gas. You know, my foot's in the door. I've got the deal and the label's going to do it all for me now. And you couldn't be far from the truth. Feed a label the tools. Feed them ideas. I say to any artist, Give me 50 ideas, because if one of them is brilliant, then that one brilliant idea will bring you all the success, you know, and, and just, you know, uh, give me artwork ideas, give me video ideas, give me, and if you, I love an artist that tripping over themselves to want to do things, um, but, but maybe don't have the understanding of how to implement that idea. And that's what we're there for, you know, is to jump and seize these, these ideas and and, uh, and and make them happen what can a musician do to make themselves ready to work with you well you know i think aside from the talent that we've talked about already i think uh it's trying to understand and have a uh an, a, you know start to understand how the business works ask questions you know because you're not really going to know i mean i think how the mechanics of certain elements within the industry work and i think it's good to have an don't don't let it bog you down but i think to understand where the hurdles are and how you navigate the hurdles and those hurdles are either unique to that one particular actor or artist or it could be for all artists so to have an, an, an understanding, and there's nothing better than, you know, talking artists through your 
strategy and campaign of how you're going to try and build their brand, their name, or you know, develop them as an artist, and and point out where those hurdles will be, you know, because they may come up with ideas of how to get around those or you know to help support them and i think it's always really important to understand and you know and, and when i sign any artist i said look right now this is all great we're all excited about your music uh, and it might be us and five other labels at the same time and we're all trying to sign you and we're all your friends here and we're all telling you how great you are but you know what it won't always be great and this journey can be difficult and it can be harsh. And I think that it's when it becomes difficult and harsh, that is when your label shows its true colors. That's when it's not about dismissing you or walking away from you. That's about if you have the belief to really dig deep and show the support again, because if you have been told you're, if you, if, you know, you, you have a several hits, for example, and then your, your fifth one only goes in at 40 because nobody liked it. That's when you really need to rally the team around and really sort of look at dissecting why you think that happened and moving on and accepting. Well, okay, fine. It didn't work. We tried it, but let's, let's, let's try something else and keep going. Be, you know, supportive. And so, and I think when the, when the artists understand the business, they don't see that then as a threat and then they don't, you know, become introvert or fall apart or self-doubt and then you can fall into a spiral. If, you know, you found somebody, you just mentioned, you know, four or five uh, record labels might be, might be circling and, and looking to sign them. If, if you were in the, in the shoes of, of the the young musician or musicians when you when you're trying to choose who to go with what would be the sort of questions that you would be asking yourself and, and indeed asking the the record companies you know and that's a that's a really really good question um and i i find now that you know young artists or artists now of this generation are far more astute and far more aware of the uh, broader mechanics of the industry than they've ever been they're more in tune than they've ever been and i think that's um because they have now the opportunity to release music themselves so they've got a little bit more of an understanding so with that when an artist is coming into a label i think it's really important to i want to feel challenged i want them to be asking difficult questions of our label and how we are going to uh, develop them and how what's our strategy and what is our plan and what is our, our 18 month plan three-year plan five-year plan and i think it's and, and more now than ever i think you know artists are asking all the right questions and they want to understand you know perception where you feel or see you know what what are your your initial targets how do you uh how do you present them as an artist you know when you're actually when you're uh, taking a record into radio or into tv or into one of the retail platforms apple or spotify how are you going to represent them because they can't be going into you know 
all those places and nor should they be as the artist and you are there as the you know the representation of them so how much do you understand them when you're talking about them in a meeting when you're you know discussing their music and who they represent you know they really want to know that you get it and you understand it and 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 so the, the perception that you put forward of that band is really important but they want to understand they're asked they you know you you'll be asking about certain campaigns marketing campaigns look at the other artists that you have on the roster do they align themselves with any of those artists not necessarily musically but do they see themselves as interesting and unique are do you are, do you is it just one cookie cutter marketing campaign that you roll out with every artist you release or do you tailor uh campaigns to the artist and and if so how do you do that and if so how are you going to do that with with me you know that's what i'll be asking what would you be doing with me that makes me more exciting, you know, with the ideas that I'm giving you. How can you, what ideas are you, that I've given you, that, you know, my vision and my ideas that you've developed and, and you know, that you're, you know, you're, how excited are you about this project and, and, and how do you break artists on an international level? Um, I think, you know, labels can get it terribly wrong they are going into a relationship thinking we know who you are and we know how to break you and um and i think that if an artist is going to get a sign of that very early on they, they're going to be very concerned so that dialogue and communication the meeting i've had artists that walk out you've done a brilliant meeting and either myself or one of the team has said one thing and one thing only that just hasn't gone down well with them. And they may have uh, related them to another act who they hate, or maybe got the name of one of their songs slightly wrong in the conversation. And they've thought, well, you obviously don't, you know, I, it, it could be the smallest thing that sends off a, uh, a sense of fear in them that um, that you know perhaps you're not the right place you know um, maybe suggesting to put them with a particular producer because a producer he's just produced this record and had a big success with it and they probably think well yeah he has but we we, we really don't see ourselves uh, you know like that act you know so it could be anything Dave you know that uh, that puts them off but they I think the more questions they're asking about the business uh, and you, and as a label, more challenging. I think um, I would. I come away feeling much more excited about them as an act. Yeah, no, that's great. And thank you for all of the uh, information and advice you, you've been given during this podcast. I, I, we tr typically end end the conversation with with this question: Have you noticed anything? Because you've worked with so many successful musicians, and I'm talking about their characters and their habits and what they do is there anything that they that you've noticed that success, successful musicians do when you work with them that um up and coming musicians could learn and benefit from uh, yes absolutely and you know this only comes from being in the business for 30 years and as you say working with some very successful artists and i find actually the more successful artists are the more engaging and trusting they tend to be you know with their the people and label around them and I, and so i think i'd always say always you know the people around you 
are your team. And if you've chosen them to be your team, they're only there to seek out and have, you know, create the best for you. You know, they, they want success for you just as much as you do. And so work as a team, you know, and I think we all try things and we all make mistakes. And that could be the artist or it could be the label. And I think that, you know, to work through the mistakes together and it's very quickly to try and dismiss people or pull people off of a, you know, a project because something didn't quite work according to plan but I think that understand how the problem arose and 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 to work around it you know professionalism kindness you know simple things really you know when I think about Chris Martin Damon Albarn Kylie you know they they know how to go and see the salespeople. I want to go and see the people downstairs that are, you know, out there on the floor that are actually out there in the store selling my record, you know. Uh, with all due respect, Miles, I see you all the time, you know. What, what about the people that are really out there, you know? And, and I think that kind of attitude is really important. And I think that um, always asking questions. And I think, you know, you know, again, Chris or Damon, listening, you know, to ideas, however successful they have been, to always want to ask, to say, what do you think? What do you think of this? Do you think this works? Do you like this? Do you think it? Because there can always be a point in someone's career where it starts to tail away and dip, or you're maybe not as prolific or as it's, it's hit driven as you were at one point. And I think so always don't sit in a bubble with people around you that, you know, just tell you what you want to hear. Want to learn more and understand more um and 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 finally look at the business around you look at the the industry and the trends and the music and 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 what is going on around you as well because you know to sit somewhere and just say well i love this and all my friends love it well that's brilliant but you know if the world doesn't love it you know you're not going to have a career and I think it's always very important to to know what's going on you don't have to follow it in fact you know just have awareness which you may incorporate into an idea a small part of it into what you do and 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 that could that could that could be the you know something hugely exciting and don't be afraid to evolve always challenge yourself and evolve as a writer as a musician as an artist as an act and and develop your who you are develop your sound and um i think that's probably about the best help and, and information i can give to any new act starting thank you to all of my guests who've taken the time to talk with me and thank you for listening i'd also like to thank miles d who has written and recorded the Gigami theme music. And as ever, if you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this episode, if you have any questions, or if you just want to get in touch with me, go to gigami.co. That is G-I-G-O-M-I dot C-O. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.